If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. An Erio's original. Great actors have to be willing to look like an idiot. I wasn't able to do that for a long time, and I just wanted to be cool. The things that feel good are, like, really soft and tender. Mm. Like, that feels really... I think care right now feels really hot. It's taking over my dreams, waking me out of my sleep. I think I'm coming apart. Welcome to The Margaret Show, where we talk to people you know and people you should know. First up, you know her from Criminal Minds and Another Period, actor Paget Brewster. Yeah, I'm coming out of the dark. Oh, yeah, my sleeve is big enough for your dog to climb in it. Oh, my goodness, she's gone all the way inside. Oh. How magical. <laughs> That's really magical. Uh, your coat, I saw you at Bob Hope Airport on the way up to San Francisco Sketchfest. Oh, really? And that was the most beautiful coat I've ever seen in my life. Oh, thank you. I was watching your coat. You were walking down towards the end of the terminal. Which you're from San Francisco, too. No, I lived there for three years. Yes. I moved there from New York. I lived there from 93 to 96. Okay. And uh, I was a bartender and I ended up doing a talk show that aired at 1.30 in the morning. Wow. And it was where I first saw you. Mm-hmm. I was in like a bodega uh-huh. on, it had to be near Bush and Jones in uh-huh. 1996. Mm-hmm. And you were the, the shop owner, I'm guessing was Korean, mm-hmm. and had a TV mm-hmm. at the register and he was watching you do stand up and you oh, were imitating wow. your mother wow. and you but no no one had seen a Korean American stand up mm-hmm. as far as i yeah. knew yeah. and somebody was translating for him oh. i think like a younger female relative a daughter a, mm-hmm. a cousin a niece translating and this guy was had to be in his late 60s mm-hmm. was laughing oh. and also so excited and i've yeah. never forgotten that i just stood in that like a deli, and just watched this family watching you. Oh, that's incredible. And it was fascinating. That's it amazing. Was because you were really the first 
I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, that was an incredible time. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's like I always forget about that, you know, but I think it's it is it is it's very it is impressive for <laughs> to think about like, you know, that there being no other Korean Americans or no other Asian Americans in, in comedy or, or in entertainment. Did at you all. not feel that at the time? I guess I did. You must have. I knew that I think in comedy, I think it's just weird because you get so independent in a way. Um, and it's almost like if you're different, it does help. Like it's like your uh, individuality uh-huh. and standing out is 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 preferable to not. Got so it. that that's always, I think that, I mean, maybe I just thought of like comedy first as being something like to be different was good. Mm-hmm. So, but it is definitely like something that I felt as an actor coming into acting was very... Um, challenging because you know you couldn't really there was never any like asian american parts in the breakdowns you Mm -hmm. didn't know like what you could go out for and and stuff so it was always like this weird thing of like what do i where do i go what Mm -hmm. do i do how do you fit in but it's good i thought you were here earlier than the 90 like 96 i feel that seems late to me but i guess yeah I i got here in 96 wow okay and i had been bartending in san francisco and going to acting school yeah did you go um, to act no, I didn't go anywhere near that fancy. No, I uh-huh. went to Gene Shelton's Actors Lab. Oh, yes, lab. yes, of course. Oh, of you course. know it. Yes, oh, of great. course, yeah. yes. That's where I went. Awesome. And then um, move, I ended up doing a talk show that was, it was called The Pageant Show. It was on at 1.30 in the morning. Uh-huh. We shot 65 episodes. Of, was it, uh, what was it on? It was on KPIX, the CBS uh-huh. station up there. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and then moved here. Mm-hmm. I got an agent and mm-hmm. moved here in 96. Okay. Then, um... I remember seeing you at the old Largo. Yeah. At the old Largo yeah. with um, on Fairfax. Yeah. And that was like a, you know, that was a time when, um, so we all were friends with um, Janine Garofalo and like uh, Greg Barrent and all of the people from Mr. Show, mm-hmm. David Cross and, and everybody. And then there was a big article about us in the New York Magazine, New York Times Sunday Supplement. <laughs> Do you remember that? No. Would you, did you get interviewed for that? It was like the weirdest thing because it was like where you're like just friends with people, what? but everybody happened to sort of start to become famous. So they, they all did like this like big, they did a photo shoot and we were all like friends and it was like, this weird thing where this reporter was like following us. And I was remember, I was remembering that because um, you were hanging out with Dave Foley, right? Yes. Around that time. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I have to go by who was I dating at the time? So it was, I was d- dated Dave Foley for a little while. Mm-hmm. Who's a very good friend now mm-hmm. and great. Um, and then I dated Jay Johnston who was oh, right, right, in, right. Mr. in Mr. Show. Show. Yeah. Um, and that's how I met Paul F. Tompkins, who I did a right. lot of shows at Largo with. Okay. Um, but I don't know this article you're talking I, about. It, it's I can't, so... That must have been 98? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. But it was like kind of focused around Mr. Show and then peripherally around like Ben Stiller. And then okay. it was like this whole thing of uh, these like young youth Quakers <laughs> wow I don't think out. I was counted it I don't I don't think I had done much at that point it was um I, I don't know if I'd done friends even at that point I, I I'm not sure yeah it, but it was all that era it was all that timing and 90s late 90s late 90s but it's it's weird because it's it doesn't seem like that long ago but it is actually a long time it is, it is a, a long, long time really long time it is like to think about 
But um, yeah, did, did you go to like, I know that you must have gone to s- at least some John Bryan shows. Oh, yeah. At Largo. Yeah. yeah. Well, everyone sort of hung out at Largo, yeah. whether you were doing a show or not. Right. And it was cozy, right? Uh, now, Largo is Largo at the Coronet Theater mm-hmm. on La Cienega. It's a big yeah, it's theater. Yeah, fancy now, yeah. And then there's the, uh, what's that small room called? Is it called the Little Room? No, the what's Little it Room called? in the front? Yeah, the yes. Little Room in the front is like a smaller venue. Yeah, yeah. But the old Largo was like almost the perfect size small club. Yeah, yeah. And it was just... And you had to eat. It, you had to eat. And, and the was, food was... I like the food. <laughs> I only liked that fried chicken I with love the that salad fried chicken thing. thing. What yeah, was that? That was, that was really a good, good one. I like that. It was like honey chicken. Honey chicken. That's it was what it so was. so delicious. That was the only thing I ate there. I ate that a lot. I ate that. I love that. But then um, you got to see all sorts of um, great people play because mm-hmm. John would invite people and do you remember when Elvis Costello came no that was a very big deal no I don't think I was there that night that was a very big deal everybody was like couldn't even breathe because we were like oh my god yeah I'm sure so like this is like the ultimate but um yeah that was an interesting time but like the the way that I know uh, you, what you were doing because you were very much an actor I mean you got to be on Friends so you got to be on yeah, this sort that, of like yeah. ground zero of the excitement yeah that was great that was my first you know sort of my first job in how LA exciting. I think that's yeah. so exciting so how did you get to audition for that I auditioned for it and uh, Matthew Perry was in the room mm-hmm. when I auditioned for it and there were actresses waiting you know we were all waiting in that hallway at- yeah yeah Radford or where did they shoot at Warner Brothers Mm -hmm. Tony Sepulveda's casting office and I recognized a couple of the women so I was like well I'm not gonna get this yeah 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 and uh and I came in to audition and was sort of so surprised that he was there Mm because that hadn't been my auditioning experience at all yeah that I said I guess I'm your runty alternate so we should probably get this show on the road <laughs> and they later said like that was it that was when you had the job and oh that's did great. it with Matthew and he was really lovely and generous and kind yeah. and I had a great time they were they were in a great place at that time mm-hmm. but they had they they had also just sort of entered the phase where they were so famous mm-hmm that it was they were struggling with how invasive the world was becoming and this is pre social media oh, yeah yeah it's very different that yeah. they just suddenly were were dealing with a world that had changed dramatically right and they sort of were bound together in this kind of survival monkey group mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. so it was an interesting time to be there mm-hmm. um and they knew they had a mole on the set mm-hmm. who was like selling stories oh, to tabloids. Wow. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But they didn't know who the mole was. Uh-huh. And it was, they were great, but there was also that tension of their str- struggling with mm-hmm. such a change in, in how their lives were. Yeah. I mean, because that was like, I mean, the time where it really was about, like the tabloids were like dangerous and they were spying on you or making things up entirely. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, it's a different kind of show business. It's not, show business now is very different. It's very segmented. There's a lot of different factions and there's a lot of people that you would never even know about that know about, you know, like they have very specific audiences mm-hmm. and stuff. So, but Friends was sort of like this big, big, big shift in celebrity and everybody on that show became so famous and that show itself became so famous. Yeah. Did you feel that like when you were on set were there people like waiting outside or anything like that? Like paparazzi? 
No, not that I mean, not that I was aware of. We were on the Warner Brothers lot, and they had had to crack down. And the actually the guard, one of the guards at the guard booth, told me that there they had had a lot of threats from a violent stalker about Jennifer Aniston. So they were cracking down on anyone coming onto the lot because they were sort of all on high alert. Yeah, um, yeah, and someone. Uh, Lisa Kudrow came into work one morning and came into hair and makeup and just started crying. Mm -hmm. And I was just a guest star and just trying to keep my head down and keep my mouth shut and, you know, not get fired. So I was Mm -hmm. like, uh, should I go? And she was like, no, it's fine. But her, someone in her gynecologist's office had sold the information to the inquirer or something that she was pregnant, but it was before uh that the her first trimester I don't have kids so I don't know you know what I mean you yeah, don't yeah, yeah. tell anyone right her family didn't know so they had to set up an interview she had she had to set up an interview with entertainment tonight that day during the work day mm-hmm. to announce that she was pregnant but she hadn't even told her family yet oh. she didn't know if she was gonna get through the first trimester and right. that's just a really and really horrible position to be yeah, in. Yeah, that's crazy. And that, that was pretty profound to see you know a woman struggling with that situation that mm-hmm. that her a, a nurse sold information like the, that's mm-hmm. just so shitty. Yeah, I mean that's so, really crazy. Yeah, and I feel like the world maybe's gotten worse since just cuz there's such a 24-hour news feed or it has to be fed all dumb the time. gossip feed and social media and just everyone has a camera and there's just yeah. no privacy for anyone anymore mm-hmm. and Mm-hmm. It's probably gotten worse. At that at the time, that was re- that was kind of shocking. That she, yeah. she and she was devastated that that she had to because she knew if if she miscarried, mm-hmm. and there's a high percentage of miscarriages after a certain age. Yeah, of course, she would have to announce that. Mm-hmm. So, so it's no longer a family matter or a private matter or you know, mm-hmm. uh, it was a, a lousy position to be in. And yeah. I, felt really bad for her that sucks god it's but yeah it's like a definitely a different time like so business is so changed and i mean since then and and things have changed you know what television's changed a lot mm-hmm. and um for me i think the peak tv really started with huff I oh really love that show oh my god I, that's nice i really loved that show and oh, i was wow. really upset when it didn't um keep going yeah like what was gonna happen? I was like really riveted, and it was it, for me that was like the first show I remember actually like binge watching. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! It was so great. That it was, so, was You were so great on it. Thank you. You're so that great. That was on my it. first like dramatic part mm-hmm. that I'd gotten. Really but that cool. You sort of look at it and realize all of the people that uh, Bob Lowry, our, our executive producer, cast were all sort of known for comedy mm-hmm. Blythe Danner and Oliver Platt That's and Hank true. Azaria yeah yeah so yeah it was but it made sense because Andy Como everyone yeah. had a comedy background yeah in a drama but, of a but, family like kind of falling apart but that's the, the the beauty of it and that's what makes sense is that people that can do comedy really have a very very deep understanding of drama because comedy really is drama I mean it's just yeah, sped it, up or something but you need you need that is more. astute. I yeah. would agree with that. Yeah, you need more in your metal to do comedy, and so drama is going to be 
not that it's easy, but it, it is definitely something that you have the chops for already. You know, uh, that's not, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I, 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 comedy can be far more difficult. I think mm-hmm. I'm not one of the, I'm not great at the struggling, crying. Uh, I, I like I just there are so I know so many actresses who can cry. Mm-hmm. Even doing terrible material, and I can't do that. So, uh, I that just, drama is hard for me. But yeah. comedy is can be terrifying. Yeah, because what's required of you is is a, is a harder feat. Yeah, because well, it's like what's required of you as to do comedy is kind of like um, you have to bring forth an honesty that is uh, not just real, but it's unique. You know, it's it's like something that like you have to figure out where the humanity is something. It's hard to do comedy because it's like you have to figure out the truth of something um, that isn't so obvious to display. Mm-hmm. It's very. I, I think the com- playing a comedy as an actor is really tough because it's. I agree. So much. You have more experience than I do, and I would I would like to listen to your thoughts. <laughs> On how to do well, it. When I do drama, if I have to cry, I just have them blow that menthol in my face. I know. Doesn't it give you a headache, though? Sometimes, but, you know, it's like kind of like, well, it's used, I'm used to, like, whatever. I, I, I'd rather just have the, the help. Yeah. You know? Oh, no, no, no. I'm all for it. I have my own menthol stick. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. have that? It looks like a concealer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can just keep it in your sleeve and wipe and put it, it in under there. your eye, and it's yeah. still menthol. But now I kind of feel like if if... And listen, I was lucky enough. I was on a CBS show for 10 years mm-hmm. called Criminal Minds. Mm-hmm. I saved that money. I now am in a place where for a couple of years, I just want to do things I really want to do. Yeah. And I don't want to, oh God, I got to grind. I got to get a job. I got to do anything. It doesn't matter what it is. So now if I'm reading something and, it, and it's a drama and it doesn't make me cry, I, why go in for that? Mm-hmm. Don't I won't, won't even, why would I go in for that? If yeah, it yeah. requires me to be... The material better be good enough to get me there or I'm, it's not going to happen. Right. That's good. So, well, for two, for like another year and a half. I mean, what a great... Then I might get terrified and desperate and take a show that I don't respect. <laughs> but what a great thing to have to be able to do. Like, you know, that you only have to like do thing, do material that you respond to emotionally. I'm, I'm hoping that it... That's good. I'm hoping. That's good. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Will you tell me about doing Celebrity Wife Swap? Yes, yes, of course, please, of course, of course. Please, <laughs> it's so fun. It's um, I uh was staying with um Holly, Holly Robinson, Robinson Pete's Pete. family. We're such a beautiful family, and they are so just lovely and Great. sweet and kind. And uh, they don't actually well, you don't actually live there. What they do is they put you up what? at the uh, Sheraton in Universal City. What? And uh, so. I think she was there at that same hotel too. So she came here and I was there. This maybe is part of celebrity though, right? Yeah. So for the regular wife swap, they're living. Okay, got it. All right, got it, got it. If a regular wife swap, they they do definitely like live there. Live there. Okay, great. Keep going, please. But for us. Because I watch them all and I love (laughs) them and I think it's such a touching, incredible show. I loved it. It is. Selene, no, Selena. Selene. Selene, Selene thank you. Yeah. I've never gotten her name. I took photos of her from Lucha when I would photograph oh, yeah, Lucha yeah, yeah. Lucha Vavoom. Vavoom. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So keep talking about the show because it was, it, so, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's so anyone funny. listening it's to this so podcast, ridiculous. you have to, you can buy it. 
You go on Apple TV, mm-hmm. it's like a dollar ninety nine yeah. an episode. Get the celebrity wife swap. It's so with, funny because it's a great. It it's was a great. great. Show. I loved it, and she rolled with your friends and family. Yeah, and that's what. But go, you but talk, Sel- you talk. Uh, I just- Selene was like here, and then so I wasn't married. So Selene was just my uh, sort of by proxy wife, and uh, so she um, had. Um, Holly come here to this house and this house was a real mess at that point. You know, it was like really like just slovenly and like a hoarder and I hadn't Mary condoed anything. It was disgusting. And it wasn't disgusting. It's not disgusting. Uh, well, it's f- very, very artistic. It's very artistic. Opposite of the, you know, yeah, very free spirited. Yes. But they have a very organized, very clean, very mm-hmm. beautiful house that, you know, it, it runs efficiently. Mm-hmm. Mine doesn't really need to run efficiently because I don't have children, so it doesn't matter. Right. But, um, I don't have kids either. The, yeah, so our house does not run efficiently. Yeah, it doesn't. It we don't doesn't need to. have to. You know, there's no there's no need for any of that. I don't have to take anybody to any kind of practice, right? Of anything. <laughs> and uh, so it's it was different. But um, Holly uh, really had such a good time here, and she really my parents fell in love with her. They did not want <sighs> me back at all, and they uh, they really loved they they loved her so much, and they they really. Um, they they were so so grateful to have her here you know and she just cleaned everything and she was completely like organized and wanted to organize it all and um that was amazing and then going over to their house i uh, well i took rodney to my friend's dungeon to give yes. him some sex tips on keeping the passion alive yeah <laughs> that was a great idea which was a lot of fun and um you know, Rodney's great. He's great. Their kids were just, I could not stop with them. They were so beautiful. And it really made me um, really very sad that I did not have children myself. Oh, wow. Because they were just so amazing. They were just beautiful kids. And, you know, what a, a remarkable family. And and I think, you know, they just, I, I think that they're just they're just so special, and they're just they, they we we were interesting kind of like people to swap because mm-hmm. you wouldn't think of us as ac- actually that opposite, but there was a lot of things that were really complementary. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there were things on the outside that seemed sort of opposite, sort of like the neatness thing and um, organization, but um, there was there was just a lot of beauty there. So I I really appreciated that show. It's weird how you would think like well reality reality television is you know, sort of empty, but it's actually quite meaningful and very thoughtful the way they put it together. I love that show. I love and that I, show. And I, I believe in, in the truth of it. Mm-hmm. There's like so I, much I, truth I, in I, it. And I think it's just fascinating to see people who are so completely who they are mm-hmm. sort of suffer, not suffering, but there's like, there, it's, it, it's challenging to be asked to live a different way because yes. it's so easy to get insulated in your world and your way of doing things and mm-hmm. your and it's a fascinating concept that that people switch places and and everyone sort of sees their own life through someone else's eyes mm-hmm. and then wonders oh maybe this would be beneficial for us like that's yeah. fascinating to me about human behavior and I think yeah. that show is great it's really great that's <laughs> really what good. else do you watch do you watch reality tv uh I don't watch that much I I guess um hmm would you do would you be uh would you be like a, a guest judge on uh beat Bobby Flay 
or oh, Iron yeah. Chef. Yeah, well, have yeah, you done yeah. any of those? I've done Beat Bobby Flay. I've oh, been, you did? I've, I've done that uh, where I got to judge that. The first part? So yeah. it's you and someone else and you're like, we're going to beat you, Bobby. Yes. Okay, great. Oh, I didn't cook on it, but I ate the food. Right, like, you so ate, you were just, the judge for the first yeah. round for yeah. the two guys mm-hmm. or, or women or the two people who are going up against each other and then whoever wins that round then goes on to try to beat Bobby yes, Flay yes. and you judge the first. Do you remember what it was? I remember that it was something like, um, probably like some kind of a beef medallions kind oh, of thing. Oh, okay. Because it's, it's he gives them it's always an weird. ingredient. Yeah. I don't remember the ingredient, but it was really, it was tasty. And then we got, uh, it was me and um, Ted Allen. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. Um, who, uh, who is the best? I love him. So we uh, we ate a lot and it was really fun. That uh, Oh, I, I also love doing um, Bizarre Foods uh, oh, with Andrew, with Andrew Zimmern. Zimmern. Yeah. That would have been a great one to do. Or, you know, what would be great to do is uh, An- Anthony Bourdain's job. Oh, that's great. I mean, I I, I imagine it's a, it's tough, but it, what yeah. a great thing to be able to travel the world. And, Incredible. And use I watch those and, over and I know over beautiful. and over again. It's so beautiful. And it's really, it's sad, you know, that you yeah. don't have him around because he... Uh, really created a kind of programming that was really memorable. And mm-hmm. I don't, don't, don't know if anybody could actually just step in and do that, you know, in no. the same way. But there was a part, I think, and I didn't notice it until after he took his life. He mentions it all the time. Mm-hmm. He mentions all the time killing himself mm-hmm. or hanging himself in the bathroom. I mean, mm-hmm. actually says it. And this is someone who ad- was an admitted you know, junkie mm-hmm. and his sort of bad boy chef. It's true. The guy was like a a, a chef in New York City and mm-hmm. all of his books are very honest mm-hmm. about what he did and what he went through and that he was damaged and that he could only fa- make his life in that circus. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I've, I've never been so upset mm. by the death of someone I've never met yeah. ever in my life. Yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. Like my friend was gone. I, it, it, yeah. It, and it, it took me months to be able to watch those shows again. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like that's this comforting thing that I like to have on all the time. It'll just mm-hmm. roll over into the next Uruguay. And then it rolls over into yeah. Naples. And, then, and I love it. Yeah. And I feel like you get history and the people and the art mm-hmm. and the food and I was I was so bummed out I know and it, it's just so tragic and but I don't live with depression I don't know what that's like mm. I don't know what it's like to to get into the mind space where you think oh this is going to answer everything right if I just do this everyone else will be better off yeah I that's I I don't understand that yeah. I think everyone should have some me I'm kidding. I don't mean that. I no, mean, but you're you know lucky. That. It's it's definitely yeah. something. I that, haven't had that, and I'm glad, yeah. and I hope I never will, because yeah. it's yeah, just seems awful. It's weird. It's something that you you know. I've had it. It's it's mostly um, you have to sort of take measures to not do that. Whether that is like medication for me, it's like I have to you know exercise and do you know do things that I I, I don't really like but mm-hmm. I just do it because it's actually like oh this is actually the only thing that really helps but it's certainly like it is a burden and especially if you're traveling and you're not sleeping and you're like 
you know, just on this very punishing oh, schedule. Oh, God, that could just exacerbate everything that, you're trying to yeah. keep in check. Then it's really... So there's something, there's a kind of a hopelessness about being in a hotel room and, like, so tired and knowing that you can't really rest. It's like, yeah. you know, I can see why it's that similar be. to stand-up i'm guessing yeah it's just similar. touring like that if you're yeah. in a different place every night mm-hmm. again i haven't done that either so yeah. i don't know what that's like and i don't know how people do it yeah or if people like are looking to you to uh find a way to enjoy their lives which i think that for him it was kind of like he was trying to point the way to like joy for people yeah, i agree you know and so when you're that job then that's like, where do you find your joy? Hmm. Like, where is your relief there? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think with like Andrew Zimmern, he's very, um, you know, he is like a sober guy. He lives a very like very positive life and, um, you know, takes measures to kind of like keep that in check. But I don't think that Anthony Bourdain was the same way. I don't know. But it's, yeah. it's, it's, it is sad. Yeah. But, if, if, but when we talk about reality shows, that would be the best reality job I think it's the, <laughs> oh, the best the yeah I don't know I couldn't do the tour, travel I couldn't do I couldn't do like st- like doing a stand-up thing going from city to city I couldn't mm-hmm. do it mm-hmm. I, cu- I couldn't do traveling that much it's hard I don't travel that much uh-huh because I maybe I mean I'm just a homebody well it's a weird it's a weird thing I think it's like if you do it you just sort of know um that's sort of the like the thing. I mean, as you've known stand up, so they all sort of know like that's just a part of who they are. That that's some part yeah. they have to do. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and then there's like mm-hmm. I think a lot of us who feel like if we didn't do it, we didn't we wouldn't know what to do with our lives. Mm-hmm. But I think some people think, oh, anyone could do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you don't do it or yeah. you don't know actual working comics. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people feel like, well, I could get up on stage and do, I could, I could do that. And I think it just takes years yeah. and you have to fail yeah. in front of people alone yeah. and be heckled. And like, yeah. you have to find your, I've always been immensely impressed by mm. comics That's because good. it's That's so yeah. hard. It is hard, but it's something that like, I have never gotten to the point of saying, I'm not doing this. Like I have with acting. With acting, I'm like... You've had moments where you were with like... With acting, I'm it. like, I'm not doing this. Tell me, tell like, me. Like, just in general, like, the grind of rejection and, like, completely, like, working so- something out and trying as hard as you could and then they just don't want it or you're getting... Like, you know, it's like... Right. You're not... You just don't understand or you can't... Like, cannot learn a line to, like, save your life. Like, there's some things in acting that I just come against these walls that I'm like, I, I don't even know how we could get through this wow it's it's a weird thing like I, and I've never reached that impasse with comedy but I've quite I do wow. it quite often with acting like I'm like I don't know how to do I can't where are you right now um I'm in a I guess a good place I just sort of started to really try in different ways and there's some things that help like you know g- getting coaching and you know getting like different perspectives on mm-hmm. things so that helps um but uh, I always have to look for new solutions to keep my um, sort of head in the game around acting. Wow. Do you, yeah. ever, do you ever do that? Do you ever do like classes or do anything like, um, did you do that before? I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I did. I took plenty of classes. Oh, that's right. And, and Gene Shelton. I did Gene Shelton in yeah. San Francisco. And then here I did, uh, uh, it was called Third Street, Third Street Theater. It was, um, mm-hmm. oh, shoot. 
um, I can't remember his name right now, the teacher. And then I did improv classes mm-hmm. and uh, at comedy. I did. I studied with Dave Rosowski, mm-hmm. Evan Gore, Chris Barnes um, for improv. And that was actually helped acting. I believe that helped my acting more than most of the acting classes. I like mm-hmm. strictly dramatic scene partner. Yeah. Put up a because in in improv I learned don't don't try to be funny. Mm-hmm. If you try to be funny, you're it's not gonna work. Right. You just have to be truthful because it's what's true about a situation or a person that ends up being funny. Mm-hmm. So if you and I think I thought, oh, I'm supposed to, <laughs> it's so embarrassing. I'm supposed to get up here and be funny. You know, and just that, that lousy, you know, when, you know, when people are trying to be funny. Yeah, yeah, it's And worse. they're pushing it. Yeah. And they're, it's not funny and it feels false. Right. And there's nothing true about what they're mm-hmm. doing. They're just doing a wacky voice or they're yeah, doing yeah. A, And it's hiding. Yeah. Because they're unwilling or, or, or ignorant to the need for honesty Mm -hmm. and I I thought that was really fascinating Mm -hmm. because I think it's really easy also to if you're scared of being honest or vulnerable there's a way to hide in acting where you're just you're not going to give in all the way and it's and I've I've seen people who do it and they're serviceable they'll if they're beautiful they'll keep working you Mm -hmm. know what I mean yeah they're not good Mm -hmm. but there are a lot of people who are attractive enough that they will always work, mm-hmm. but they g- great actors have to be willing to look like an idiot mm-hmm. or a loser or you know just vulnerable. And I, I think I wasn't able to do that for a long time, and I just wanted to be cool mm-hmm. because I was so afraid of you know. W- if you really lay yourself open, mm-hmm. you can be attacked for yeah. the essence of who you are. Mm-hmm. And that was scary. So I would just kind of, I could memorize lines, and but I wouldn't really, you know, I could live without it. What, like trying mm-hmm. to be cool and it doesn't, it's no good. It's yeah. not interesting. Nobody wants to watch that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was an interesting thing to learn. And I think improv, improv class taught, taught that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I know incredible improvisers and it's the same thing. It takes years. Years and years to be able yeah. to access that the speed and the integrity, like to 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 trust that if you just answer whatever the situation is with your scene partner, that it's going to work. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be funny. Yeah, just move it forward. So it's hard. It's, it's hard very to hard. access that freedom uh-huh. to do it because we're just under so many constraints, like just mentally. So yeah, improvisers who are really good, it's like this freedom of the mind where they could do anything it's incredible it is incredible uh last night i did gravid waters which is a show at ucb Mm -hmm. the idea is one actor and one improviser are paired Mm -hmm. the actor learns one side of a scene Mm -hmm. and the improviser is just winging it Mm. and the actor has to say the next line no matter what the improviser does so it's really hard Mm. And it can be brilliant. It can end up working really well. Yeah. But it's a really hard tightrope. So I was the I was the actor and I did a scene and I just had to keep saying the next line <laughs> no matter what. Yeah. And the improviser, her name was Tara. I can't remember her last name. I was so bad with names. But there were uh, other uh, 
scene partners last night that were just on fire Mm -hmm. like when it works and I guess that's improv when it works it can be painful yeah it can go nowhere and it's no one's fault it's a bad night it just didn't work you tried something whatever Mm -hmm. but when it works incredibly well it's it is watching a magic trick yeah it's lightning in a bottle and it's shocking and exciting and I want to see you when um where can people find out about when you would be doing stuff like that I want to come see you oh I don't know I I, I didn't I have a twitter uh, yeah, I'm so bad about it. Do though. you put it up uh, on your socials or? I do. I put the. I I do. Uh, my friend Arden Marine has a podcast about The Bachelor mm-hmm. uh, that we do often. I put that up. I'm at Paget Paget Graham for Instagram mm-hmm. at Paget Paget for Twitter. Thank you so much for joining sure. me today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And now, my conversation with the incredible actor, creator, Poppy Leo. I was listening to this old animal song from the 60s called San Franciscan Nights. And um, it's, uh, it's all about a warm San Francisco night. And I'm like, you've never been to San Francisco because like, it's never been lie. warm. It's fucking cold all the time, and cold at night especially. Oh, yeah. You were in SF because like all like the the like leather scene mm-hmm. stuff was like yes. mainly SF the leather queerness, scene, right? The my queerness, my BDSM roots are all San Francisco. And uh-huh. I saw you on my favorite Reddit, Lady Lady Boners. Oh, which is a really good Reddit. It's um, it's women what is for this women. Reddit? It's it's Reddit. It's like sexy pictures of women uh, that women like that women Ooh. women get a lady bona for what were the photos on there were um, they mistress yin stuff no no it was just I think it was like maybe like a press junket or something but you look you just look really, really pretty Aww. so I was like oh yeah yeah totally <laughs> you know what I found recently I wonder you probably have a profile on this too wiki feet yes yeah I'm okay. a 4.5 on wiki feet oh you're so lucky I'm a 4 what? Why? I know. I know. I felt like mad about it afterwards. I'm like, what? You would have. I mean, what's I have going a, on? I know. I have a great arch on my foot. Yeah, that's m- the most of it. That's, yes. that's the That's the biggest like thing that they notice. Yes, my my toes are like kind of like they're like I don't know. They're like little cute grapes, which yeah. I think which I think is cute. Do you not wear enough sandals? Maybe. I think that's what it was. It's I think probably because like, they can't see your feet. That's all probably the photos what it is. on there are ones where like it's like an Instagram photo where it's like not about my feet it's a but closed it's like, toe you know like you can zoom in and be like okay i guess there's a foot in the picture well there's like a thing of like if you don't see the foot a lot i think maybe they won't uh oh. acknowledge it but like the only person with like a five star is kylie minogue really that's and, the, and she does wear a lot of sandals huh so does I, she have a beautiful feet or do you think that it's like always adorned in a beautiful sandal she, both Huh. I think she knows she has beautiful feet yeah. and they're always in a beautiful sandal. So there's, you know, I think she's like, 
kind of I do of not wear beautiful sandals. That's audience. definitely not me. Yeah, I don't I really I mean, like, I'm either. like wearing like, like, like chunky these. white hospital tennis shoes. No, these are good. These so, are very um, e-girl. Like, <laughs> these are, you're giving yeah, me I, e-girl I today like, with your TikTok. Like, yeah. It's perfect. I, I like to do the e-girl look with a collar or, or like a choker because it hides my neck wrinkles. It's uh, a perfect place to hide your age is to put like a, a choker on it. So, so it's not, I'm not really bottom. I'm just old. I'm like <laughs> over 50. So I need to put something, but I like, I like that. I like a choker look anyway. And um, so BDS and fashion works for me with a choker. For sure. I like that too. I feel like for me, it just like also feels like, I don't know if it's like an SM thing or if it just is like a, it feels like a, like something around my neck in this tight way feels like a hug. It's reassuring. It just feels like I, I feel less naked. Yeah, it's a really small thunder shirt. Uh-huh. It's like something that's sort of like uh, an assurance. and um, But it's also a mixed metaphor too because I think of you as a dominant. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't necessarily... You know what? I think I'm very switchy actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I think is I'm very switchy. Is that new or is that you're just discovering that now or was before? Um, I think I, I don't know, it really goes back and forth. I think maybe more recently, I'm coming to terms that like with the fact that I'm switchy. Mm -hmm. But I think in different, like, relationships, different sides of it come out. Yeah. And so there will like, there will be an extensive phase where I'm only sort of in a kind of like dom place. And that's Mm. the relationships I'm calling in. And then like, that'll change, like I will change. And then I'll feel like, okay, I gotta like change up what's happening in my love life right now. Oh, okay. Like, that's like the, that's the... I don't know where the tracks veer. I think that like, um, yeah. Wait, are you are you are you Dommy? Are you subby? I'm subby. I'm uh-huh. I'm lifetime sub, and I'm trying to be switchy, but it's really so hard for me to because it's not natural to my being. Uh huh. You know, um, and so being switchy for me takes a lot of energy. Yeah, and sure. I I really don't. I'm kind of at a loss all the time because I'm not mm-hmm. like I, I'm just not inspired to do it. It doesn't turn me on to be dominant. So that's where I have to really kind of go outside myself and go, what would this person like or what would I like if right. I was a sub, which I am a sub. So it's kind of like I don't I kind of don't know what to do, but I want to like affect that because I do mm-hmm. think that it's just better if older women are dominant. It's dignified. Hmm. And we have the experience to do so. And most of the doms I know spent a long time as subs. Interesting. You know, and then switched over. And like my favorite doms have always been older women. Mm. So it's like I I do want to like lean into that eventuality. But it's I'm resistant to it because I'm just a lifestyle lifelong bottom. Sure, maybe that'll just happen though with time. Maybe the relationships I have now, I have um, two uh, relationships with women that are pain only. Mm-hmm. which I really love mm-hmm. and uh, so one is my age and one is much much younger and then mm-hmm. I have a conventional vanilla uh, bay a guy mm-hmm. I love but it's different uh-huh. um, but it's like uh, so I feel very happy with my like erotic potential being realized but the one element that's gone is dom mm. like so that part I need to figure out yeah, dom is tricky though, because I feel like even when I'm in a dommy phase, I think of myself as a lazy dom. Mm. Like I just, I even when I feel dommy, I feel really lazy, mm-hmm. and so I kind of need like a very bossy bottom oh, to okay. be like do this or like I I need someone else to like 
which is interesting because like that's like another power dynamic too but i'm just like lazy as a dom yeah but like still want to be in a dommy place mm-hmm. it's interesting i'm a lazy bottom too though i think i'm just lazy a that's little okay. bit yeah that's okay i'm like yeah i think like my bottom identity is very much like a princess bottom well whereas, it's like, like you like surrender and that's yeah really an important element of a sexuality for anyone and so if that's sort of like if you're it's not lazy what it is is you like to fall mm-hmm. and so to yeah, fall into it, it is actually quite it's it's very beautiful and it's like the surrender and release so as opposed to catch your release mm-hmm. so that's a good place to be hmm. so it doesn't have to be framed as lazy yeah you know you just like i think to of fall la- i don't think of lazy it. as a negative thing though too yeah, that's okay. i like yeah that's fine. you know I love a lazy. I love a lazy anything. Yeah, but it's it is it is lazy is a slur if you're Asian American for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a very you know like, what's interesting thing. though because I have like noticed a lot of my like I don't know like API queer communities maybe not necessarily with like the term lazy itself but there's been a lot of like interesting reclaiming of um, just like of rest of like non working oh, good of um like my friend and roommate Uncle Sandy like had these shirts that are just called the like uh i think it's just called like the not working club oh yeah and just like had that like for a while i actually don't know where the shirts came from but it just like this idea of being like yeah part of our like socialized cultural makeup you know under like white supremacy etc cetera, etc cetera, is like your value is like your work right and even like the myth of the, like the model minority everything is based on like these are the good workers these are the good immigrants these are the good people right. of color etc and so like i think part of the narrative of undoing that is like interestingly this like embracing of laziness or this being like "Mm, actually like am i a good worker i don't know (laughs) i don't think so well it's great to not have to be you know yeah for sure i mean i think like what a great thing is you know not hustling Mm -hmm. not hustling Mm -hmm. i'm not not doing it and that's a great thing just to like not have to yeah because busyness is not worth but for sure, always confuse that. For sure, I actually earlier this morning even I had to answer these questions for like the press something, and um, one of the questions was like, "What are you excited for in this year?" And it wasn't necessarily like a leading question of like, "What are you career wise?" But like, I think it was kind of insinuated mm-hmm. of like, "What's coming up next that like you're excited about?" And I was just like, "Ah, I don't want to answer it like that." And I was like. I'm excited that I got my sister a puppy. I'm excited that my like mental health is popping right now. Yeah. I was like, I'm excited that I figured out like a good balance for like work, family, community, mm-hmm. myself, time. And I was like, yeah, those are like, that's actually what I'm measuring right now. That's good. Of like, what is exciting for me. That's really good. Yeah. I mean, for me, like this year with the work was about like, uh, erotic potential Ooh. and maximizing erotic Ooh, potential i just got shivers yeah i love that it's very that's juicy. an important thing to do because i ignored it for so long mm. and i was in sexless marriages forever mm. and so this is the first time i've been single quote-unquote single in the age of apps and able to freely mm. investigate and not to have to be a monogamist anyone and not to have to be uh covert or hiding mm-hmm. about anything so that's really good um, and it's gone really well. And I think that that is really important. Um, so then when you're here, mm-hmm. then do you feel like you can sort of be um, free or like find other partners or, you know, have encounters? 
I do. I think right now what feels really juicy for me is having crushes. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, I love having a really intense crush. Mm-hmm. And um, I like kind of almost don't like it after it gets past their crush phase. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely in that place right now. Yeah. Like crushes is my version of like edge play at the moment. <laughs> I love everything is is edge play to me it is total edge play and yeah crushes are great because it's like it it doesn't have to exist anywhere outside of your mind yeah which I think is great because it's almost like you're in a relationship with yourself that's great it's just like your own brain and your little fantasy land it's so fun so fun and it's so fun to discover and I I get burnt out on crushes because it's like I need some I need it to be kind of um tended to by the other person if uh-huh. it's going to like continue to grow sure but um i have them yeah there it's it's like a very i think it, it's it is definitely a playful yeah and and uh adolescent which in a good way do you ever tell your crushes that you have crushes on them um i i have and then that's but that's kind of thing it's usually turns into a relationship Mm-hmm. Which that then I kind of know the inevitability of if I can manipulate that into happening I will but it's sort of like I don't know if I wanted to do that yeah you know uh, I had a crush on a, the last crush I probably really bad crush I had was the one a guy that was a he's at my tr- my trainer at my gym uh-huh. and uh, he is so goddamn gorgeous and um, it, it's like uh, I just knew like I I wasn't gonna. It encroach it at the gym because then if anything weird happened I wouldn't go mm-hmm. so oh, I'm uh-huh. like I gotta not even say anything uh-huh. but then I was like subconsciously looking for him on dating apps because I knew that I would probably see him on something uh-huh. but I haven't yet but then I deleted all my apps but I, I, <laughs> I just kept thinking oh I'm probably if you I didn't know if to, he was dating I, I think so yeah uh-huh. I mean I could I had that sense and um Yet I didn't want to approach it in the gym context because I knew, like, if I if I get something weird or if he's not what I want, for sure, I'm not going to yeah. go out of the gym. What do you think is drawn? Like, what's the the what makes you have a crush on somebody? I think it's a combination of things. It really depends. I think for him, it was a kind of uh, mastery over his body that was not vain, but it mm-hmm. was also like it was like he cared for his body as if he had been an athlete, which I probably think he was, Ooh. like a professional athlete at some point. Ooh. And so it was like a very different kind of, and it was a hyper-masculinity that I'm not privy to in any context mm-hmm. at all. So that there was some bit of a tourism aspect ah, uh-huh. of like what if I was a basketball wife like it was kind of like just like I'm playing with the this kind of like persona of being married into maybe like a Kardashian or something being married uh-huh. into the sport sports thing um I could see you could be you could definitely be a Chris yeah 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 for sure like that kind little of thing. Kardashian empire yeah mm-hmm. like a momager and yeah that would be fun but there's like um yeah so that I think that that the element of like it's this whole world that I, I couldn't even imagine, uh-huh. but it seems fun. It seems like heterosexual, like playtime, like a fun fantasy playtime. Uh-huh. I'm just not, not involved in that kind of a world. Right. What about your like Bill Hader crush? Well, that's just because he's so uh, ridiculously funny in like ways that I can't really always explain that uh-huh. I always get into and like all of his impressions of the MSNBC correspondence. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's like an it's like a talent admiration crush. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And also Fred, sure. Fred Armisen too that same same kind of thing. I just want to watch them. Uh-huh. They're just funny to me. Yeah. And just cute. 
Um, so I think that's the, that's where the crushes are. The good yeah. ones from a different thing. I think for sure, like for me, seeing someone, it doesn't even matter what their work is, but seeing someone doing their work and them loving their work mm. and being good at it is really hot. It is hot. But that's also the Capricorn in me that I'm like, oh, yes, yeah. chef. Like, Ooh. tell me about how much you love Brussels sprouts. Yeah, it's like, ooh, and- you better roast you better roast it. It's like turn on that sous vide and yeah. slowly heat it through. Like, ooh, cars? Like, yeah, yeah get under my trunk. I like that. Ah. Yeah, I love uh, femininity in a, ma- a masculine man and masculinity in a feminine woman. Definitely. I love masculinity in a feminine woman. Yeah. Like, that is just like all day, every day. Beautiful. But you know what's interesting is the more that I read about like recent Chinese history of the last 50 years and stuff um, and reading about just like cultural evolution and like like everything there, the way that people describe sort of their comrades, especially like women comrades, is so lesbian. Yeah. It's 100% lesbian. Yeah. You know, or it's like the admirable qualities of like, like of the time that were sort of the government propaganda of what it means to be like a good like comrade in the communist movement it was just all of this like very very queer rhetoric actually mm. um which is really interesting it is to think about it because it's like is really unaware about queerness oh and also like very 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 homophobic and very 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 transphobic right. simultaneously and also i have this theory that like everyone who is my mother's age who grew up in china is like a queer person right like just like that just feels so well, and also if you look at like even like Soviet era like uh, propaganda art mm. where it you have like the men together who have like beautifully fine feminine features. Yeah. And they're like it's like men raising children and it's so mm. queer. Yes. But it's like there and there's no adult women in it. It's all these children and two men together. Right. And it's like this thing of like very queer but it's communist so it's like it's not yeah but it's a very strange thing yeah it's almost like it's like it's just the it's come full circle almost Mm -hmm. but i think there would never be an admittance that this is queer or this is whatever again like i think very 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 homophobic regimes simultaneously but also at the core is saying a lot of the same things it's very interesting well like like in korean culture it's like we're very separate separatist so it's like women have their society men have their society and they're very split off but it's a very homophobic culture Mm -hmm. yet the women are with the women the men are with the men and when we interact it's like usually for like marriage or procreation right but it's not it it's like we don't have friends who are uh other genders you're uh-huh. only friends with your women friends you're only friends with your male friends like it's a very separated uh-huh. thing it's weird yeah okay i don't know if this is real or not i want to believe that it is but so during my puppeteering days etc i had this this puppeteer person that i met whatever and was like enamored with was sharing with me how he had done some sort of fellowship where he was traveling on the world to just different like local theater communities mm-hmm. and especially like traveling theater communities to just like study at whatever. And while he was in Turkey, there was like, like this, I don't know, this like full on town there had this situation where 
again, like very, very gendered. All the men would leave for work during the day. And then all the women would just stay at home and like raise children, cook for each other, like, you know, communal babysitting, et cetera, and also just like have sex with each other. Mm. And none of them thought of it as like that ain't queer gay. at all. No, it was just like, <laughs> it was just like we take care of each other, including sex. But that we're gay. Yeah. Like it's like, like, a- <laughs> like that's just the funniest you know, we're having sex with other women, but it's not, that that ain't gay. Exactly. That's no, the best. like we're just like you know, I wash I wash her clothes. Yeah, I, it's like, practical. Eat her out, whatever. Yeah, it's like whatever. Like, That's not gay. Yeah, she like made dinner for me and my kids, yeah. and also like we scissor. I love it. Like, I mean, it's like That's the gayest on. part. Of, I mean, it's like the 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 casualness of that yes. is the gayest part a hundred percent a hundred percent that that this just happens is like and that it's not labeled as gay is the gayest nothing part gayer of than that that is great yeah i think it's true it's beautiful i think it's totally beautiful and i think mm-hmm. it's really real it's weird like sometimes like that all like kind of blows up in my face though like i you know i have always these like these straight friends who are super sexual with me like because they're just they know that I'm queer so they're like always like hands Mm -hmm. on me or whatever and when I was younger I would like make a move and they'd be super freaked out go oh no like you know like get up and I'm like bitch I fucking you know like I'm not I'm so I'm like yeah so mad right well it's I feel like it's were they primarily like straight friends yeah Yeah, I think there's like that kind of straight voyeurism Mm -hmm. where it's like Oh, like, let me see. But maybe it's like their own internalized, like, homophobia or something, too, where it's like, oh, I'm curious or I want to find out or whatever. But if, like, it were to be reciprocated, like, oh, my God. Super freaked out. Yeah. Like, I don't feel that way. And it's, like, so stupid because it's almost like I felt pressured into making a move because you were so aggressive with me. Right. In public. Yeah. And then so when I do it in private, now it's a problem. Yeah. And it's super weird. It's like okay, like, I didn't want to do this, but you kept on pushing me. And so I kept thinking, like, oh, I guess I should. Uh I felt obligated. Yeah. Like, my gayness, it's like, gayness engaged. For sure. (laughs) Well, I think there's also, like, a sexualizing of gayness, too, by, like, straight people, too. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, gay, like, that just means you're, like, a super, super sexual person. Yeah. Oh, it's sex, sex, sex. Yeah, like, it's, and it's not like that, but that's what they just put on you because they think, that's what your identity is. Right, yeah. Or that's when they made a fantasy of what your identity might be. Yeah. Which is such a, it's so crazy. For sure. It's so crazy. Um, I am excited uh, that your our queer representation on TV, you and Joel, Aww. beautiful siblings. <laughs> it's so funny. Every scene that we have together, <laughs> we like, we do the scene and we like love each other so much. We're just like all over each other. Yeah. And basically every scene they have to be like, okay, love that take. Can we just try another one where like maybe there's less touching oh, so cute. of the siblings. That's so we're cute. Like, mm, okay. I love it. I love him and um, you guys are, are really great siblings together. And uh, it is, it, it reminds me of um, Amy Poehler and Will Arnett in Blades of Glory because they're huh. siblings in that. And they're always making out. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's really funny. But, um, and I love Cal Penn. Yeah, Cal's a such a sweetheart. He's awesome. Such a sweetheart. Nicest guy. Old school Democrat. Old yeah, school political yeah. guy. Super, like, I mean, quit showbiz to work for Obama at the White House. I Last yeah, time I saw him 100% there, the real deal. Yeah, the real deal. Like, I saw him at the White House with a clipboard. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, okay, and, you know, like, I mean, he's serious. Like, this is, this is his life yeah you know and uh, i went and i taught his um 
give a lecture when he was teaching at at um, Penn. Mm-hmm. And it was so, he's so great. He's such a great. What was the lecture on? It was on Asian American representation in the media. Oh, cool. And in television. And this was in the era before like Crazy Rich Asians and Fresh Off the Boat. So yeah. you had a different sort of sense of like what was going on and what's happening. For sure. So I like, mean, at that time, it was like literally just like you and yeah. Cal and like three other people. Yeah. Holding it down. Do you feel like you like just with your career timelines that you've like come up together in a certain way or yeah. that you've like watched each other grow? Yeah. And, um, also really flourish and um you know cal's taking a very different path from john Mm -hmm. but uh, they're both amazing guys well where can people find out about your everything um i know you're poppy republic on insta Uh uh-huh what about the twitters and stuff i really don't know how to tweet i truly don't you i mean like i'm on it but i like Twitter and I haven't really figured out each other yet. Well, Poppy is also the star of Mercy Mistress, which is a um, a web series that I produced, and it's great, and she's so mm. hot. And it's about an Asian-American dom in New York, and it's based on the true memoirs of uh, our friend who, uh, you know, they but they did a great job with the series, and, and we had such a great fun um, putting it out there. So you can see... Uh, Poppy really is a very different side than sunny side. <laughs> it's the not sunny side. It's really sweet. Mer- like Mer- Mercy Mistress still comes up a lot. Like people will just like reach out and be like, I am like a closeted kink person. Aww. And this is so special. It and is. like, do you have like any like resources or anything? Because I want to mm. explore this. Good. Like, you know, like I haven't seen anything else like this out there. Ever. Yeah. So um, hopefully we'll get to make more. But um, I love you. Thank you so much for joining I us I love today. you, Margaret. Thank you, Poppy. Never miss an episode of The Margaret Show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The Margaret Show is an Erio's production with editing by Kat Hong and original music by Garrison Starr. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.